Hello again, all. I hope you're all fed, watered, and toileted. Um, so, as per usual, this is the Through Our Eyes podcast. Um, we have the alerts on silent so that we can concentrate on what we're talking about. Um, we have put this together as a side project of the Through Our Eyes big streams, which I'm sure Paige would like to very much tell you about because we've got one coming up. <laughs> yes, very much. We actually have one this Saturday. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this in six years' time, it's not this Saturday. Don't know when it is. But yes, if you're in 2021, it is this Saturday, the uh, 27th of November. We're going to be talking with, I think, about 20 different creators about marginalized genders and uh, all sorts of topics that surround that. Although this time we are making it slightly different. We're going to be discussing the same panel of questions with each group. Simply because there's so much you can talk about when it comes to, to gender and presentation and identity that it didn't make sense to split all the topics up this time. So we're all going for the same topics. It's going to be running from midday until 8 p.m. We have the wonderful Mouse Was Taken. We have Cody Quest and we have Drac coming to host as well. So we've got four different panels from midday till 8 over on twitch.tv slash Arthuris. It's the first one in about four odd months because of new job. And I am absolutely not prepared, so it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> good job you've got a few of us to... <laughs> it's good, it's fine. I also, I have my COVID booster literally the day before. The last one landed me in hospital, so it should be fine. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. At the very least, if, if worst comes to worst, I'm sure we can play it by ear and... And, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this podcast is where we do an offshoot of that and highlight um, individual stories um, and uh, really try and focus in on on one particular like person's uh, experience and their um, uh, story behind being um, a marginalised creator. Um, because we were finding that during the big streams we could never really go as in depth as we really wanted to we have great conversations but it's always nice to have like individual uh, experiences so today we have the wondrous stacy of gotham would you like to tell us a bit about yourself who you are your pronouns uh, where people can find you Hi everyone, uh, thanks for having me. It's really great to, to be here to chat with you today. Um, I apologize in advance, I'm still recovering from a bit of a cold, um, so I'm feeling a bit poopy pants. Um, I am uh, a disabled um, content creator, um, so as um, I'm sure you guys know, um, getting sick on top of your regular chronic illness can be a little bit, a little bit much, um, but I'm really excited to be here. So I'm Stacey, um, my pronouns are she, her, or they, them. Um, and uh, my story really uh, starts with me becoming disabled um, about seven or eight years ago, although I feel like I've been saying seven or eight years ago for a while. <laughs> know that feeling. <laughs> so who knows how long it's really been. Um, so I uh, was living a relatively normal life before I became disabled, um, and then suddenly um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, 
um, and also postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So those are just two two big words that really mean I'm in pain a lot of the time, and sometimes my body gets a bit faint and and likes to lay on the floor and be horizontal for a bit. Um, so yeah, I was working full time and had all these hobbies, and then I kind of went from not really being able to move at all. Um, which is where I ended up uh, finding Twitch. So I ended up um, kind of uh, just started streaming here and there when I was able to, when pain allows me to, um, and kind of pursued that full time for a little while. Um, and through there, I met so many amazing people, so so many other disabled creators and disabled viewers, and started to share my own experiences and hear about their experiences and that was so helpful and so healing for me as someone that hadn't really experienced disability before and didn't really know many people with disabilities um so twitch really just opened up um a door for me really and helped me to kind of come to terms with what was happening to me just by um chatting with people that got it really um and it was wonderful and it's through that that i kind of started getting into um gaming accessibility so I was meeting all these wonderful disabled content creators and I was hearing about their own experiences with gaming and their barriers and the things that they um, looked for when it came to gaming and that kind of led me to getting involved with the accessibility community so that's what I'm here to talk about um, mostly today um, so uh, yeah if anyone has any questions about just being disabled and being a disabled content creator in general or anything about gaming accessibility um, hopefully we can answer all your questions today um, but yeah I've, I'm yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you, you for joining cool. us. God, we just got to sit there and nod for a bit. It's nice. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say that we have about a 30-second chat delay at the moment, so if you do have questions, be sure to use the point system to submit them so we don't miss them. Yeah, there is a channel point redemption um, to submit questions. Um, we have a little... It's, it's, it's as small as I can make it so that we can at least try and protect our our uh, <laughs> uh, speakers from questions that may or may not come up that are not appropriate but you know we've 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 got that there for um uh appropriate questions um that we will try to address at the end okay so uh you've told us a bit about your story but tell us a bit more about accessibility and why that's important and why it's why it's something that appealed to you and what what you're doing with it so to speak yeah, of course so um for those of you that don't really know the term accessibility um in a nutshell the practice of, of accessibility is the practice of removing barriers so um for example in real life um, you might build a ramp for wheelchair users and that removes the barrier of the stairs, the steps. They're not able to use the steps. That is a barrier to uh, that's preventing them from entering the building. So building the ramp um, allows them access to the building. And that's pretty much what we're talking about when we talk about gaming accessibility as well. We're talking about um, what are the ways that we can remove those barriers that people have to gaming um, because people have all kinds of barriers when it comes to gaming, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and yeah just trying to enable people to be able to participate and to find enjoyment and to be able to socialize and all that kind of stuff just like everyone else um so that's essentially what gaming accessibility is there's lots and lots of different areas so um we might think about um how do we deal with vision accessibility how do we deal with uh, deaf accessibility 
uh, cognitive um, motion sickness, all, all kinds of things that we can talk about um, and lots and lots of different barriers that people can have. And I think that's what interested me. Once I started learning about it, I started realizing how just fascinating it, it, it is and how sort of deep it goes and how broad it is. Um, so it's a really, really interesting topic. And also I kind of feel like it's it's kind of a bit like a puzzle um, because games are these really complex um, things that are, you know, made up of all these different kinds of um, types of media. There's, you know, there's narrative, there's audio, there's vi video, there's, and it's so interactive that there are so many kind of barriers that can accidentally be introduced into a game. Um, so it's kind of like a, a really interesting puzzle to me trying to figure out how, how do we help people um, play games and how do we make sure that everyone can have um, as much of a similar experience um, to a non-disabled player. So that's what really, really interested me. It's a really um, fascinating topic. And yeah, definitely encourage you to have a have a little Google, have a little, um, do a little bit of research and um, yeah, hopefully hopefully you'll find it interesting as well. And um, it's, it's just been really great to be able to um, just listen to people and hear about um, how they experience things because we all experience games so differently. Um, for example, difficulty is one of those things that is always up for discussion, but difficulty is relative. So what's easy for me might not be easy for you. You might have um, a really, really big problem with a particular, you know, part of the game. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff to dig into. And I see Paige is having a good time with cat butts. Thanks, Titan. <laughs> Appreciate it, mate. It's not a podcast yes. if there isn't a cat butt on it. Um, this is my barrier to the podcast right now. Thank you. Um, you mentioned um, having a, a little bit of a, uh, um, a Google and a little bit of research. Um, are there any resources that you think would be beneficial to point people towards um, oh, that you yes. particularly find helpful? Yes. Oh, it, I think we're in a really like a really great place in 2021 that there are so many places online that I can direct people to. Um, <laughs> whereas, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had those kind of resources available. So the first one that I always suggest is uh, a website called caniplaythat.com. Uh, which uh, they do accessibility reviews, they do um, interviews, previews, um, accessibility news. So that's a really, really good place to start, um, especially if you're having um, problems with games yourself. If you're having any barriers yourself, you can find, um, you can filter out different kinds of accessibility reviews. So if you, you know, you want to find a deaf accessibility review, then you can kind of filter all those um, out and have a look at those. That's really cool. Um, Microsoft themselves have got some really, really great um, resources online. So so um, there's something called the Game Accessibility Guidelines um, that they created, which are super extensive, um, but really, really cool. Um, and there's also a really great conference called um, GA Conf, the Games Accessibility Conference that um, happens, I, I think it's been twice a year now um, since we've it's been running virtually. Um, so that means that wherever you are around the world, you can attend um, and there's sort of stuff uh, all, all across like the whole kind of spectrum. So there's stuff that's um, great for beginners, the stuff that's, you know, goes really deep and gets really specific. Um, so that's a really, really great resource as well. And they have all of their videos available for free to watch on their YouTube as well. So there's a lot out there now and it's, it's really cool. Um, and there are also um, lots of other kind of accessibility creators that um, do their own reviews as well. So um, yeah. I was lots, gonna say, lots of great resources. Definitely so much know the, now. can I play that one? Uh, um, yes. That's uh, definitely uh, 
one of the uh, communities that uh, <laughs> very much uh, is a, a nice read for me. Um, so I want to just go off on, on a on a tiny tangent because um, this is this is how it always goes. Um, is is Paige? Uh, I feel like you would have quite a lot to contribute to this discussion too because. You have uh, uh, currently uh, um, working with and uh, um, uh, have worked <laughs> quite often with a very uh, um, um, appropriate charity. Would you yes. like to tell us a bit from your end as well? Oh, no, I'm, d I'm doing work. I'm doing work. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm a special effects gaming community manager. So I'm currently maternity covering the incredible Becky Frost, who has just had baby, little baby Orson, who is so bloody cute. So cute. But we're not here to talk about baby Orson. Uh, <laughs> so special effects are a UK based charity who sort of help level the playing field. So where somebody has a physical disability and has barriers you know basically physical barriers to gaming that's why the charity exists to sort of create bespoke setups and help those people get back into gaming but then also running things like the game access website where we do similar things to can i play that and we go through and we look at you know what motor accessibility is available in this game and what kind of options are available if you're sort of browsing for something that you can play and like i i adore going through the can i play that and like i follow all the blokes uh not, i don't know why i said blokes there i think my brain tried to go like people and then like buddies for some reason i follow okay, all the I've people been doing that that all, all stream as well i uh bleh. my brain just <laughs> melted out of my ears i follow all of the people that contribute to it um online and i'm always looking out for the new articles and things like that people is a good one thank you john all the people all the best people um it's Yes, there's a lot about accessibility. I do definitely agree that things in 2021 are definitely far better than they were 10 years ago, where it wasn't even necessarily something that could be considered because no one really knew where to start. And uh, these days, there's a lot of people doing a lot of hard work to ensure that people know where to start, which is incredible to see because there's a lot of things that people don't consider in accessibility, I think, still. Um, like, if you ask people, what barriers do you think you could have to games? I don't know anyone that says, oh, well, I need the ability to turn vibration off, whereas that's something that causes me intense pain. If I have vibration, I can't use my hands. So it's like, that's something that maybe wouldn't be considered. That when I see a game that has vibration toggles, I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. I get to play this. Yay. I mean, for me, this also uh, brings up the whole... Um... Uh, accessibility, as you mentioned, about um, uh, difficulty levels and how it's uh, quite often a uses a symbol of status to mm. be able to uh, uh, have everything on max hard difficulties. Some games famed for not even really having anything other than hard difficulty. Um, what are your your feelings uh, on that, uh, both of you? Because uh, I mean, I, I assume I know what the answer is, but <laughs> for the sake of discussion, I mean, I understand why people feel that way about certain games. Um, 
However, I feel like those those kind of ultra hard games, the game experience that's intended is one of success through persistence. So the game experience that they're they're trying to to give to people is that you try and you fail and then you learn and then you try again and then you fail and then you learn and then you try again until you eventually succeed. But if there are players who cannot succeed no matter how hard they try because they have these um, you know, hard barriers, then you're kind of just shutting people out of that experience. Um, and having maybe not even, you know, like traditional like difficulty options that we think about, but letting people adjust things to help them get a better experience um, will help them actually complete the game and help them get to where you want them to be. Um, I think there have been some games that um, have done some really interesting things, actually. I don't know how many of you um, in chat or how many of you on the, on the podcast have played uh, Hades, uh, which is a dungeon crawler game. Um, but it has something called God Mode, where essentially um, every time you die, you, uh, I think it's either you deal more damage or you take less damage. You basically become, you know, buffer every time you die. So it... Buffer, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that allows players that are having a hard time to be able to eventually, you know, go forward and complete the game. And it's it, things like that that are kind of being introduced that are really, like, interesting um, solutions um, that don't take anything away from, you know, someone else's experience of the game. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to use it, my dude. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel um, about the discussion. Um, what about you, um, Paige? Always come back to is that difficulty is subjective. So for one person, like my husband is a very adept gamer and uh, doesn't suffer any sort of motor accessibility issues or anything like that. And so if he wants to play a game on just the hardest of hard modes and enjoys it, then he will. And that's awesome. I'm really happy for him. But when it comes to me, I have cognitive issues that sometimes essentially causes lag. And it's weird, like the game won't be lagging, my hand reactions won't be lagging, but what my brain is telling my hands to do just goes, sorry, I was busy. And then I hit a button and I'm dead already. And then I fling the controller because I'm sad. It's silly, but my cognitive issues mean that a game on easy mode may still be too bloody difficult because I do not perceive it in the same way others do. So it's not that games should be less difficult, it's that they should be more understanding, I think, and that games should be should have accessibility options that mean everyone's playing on the same level of difficulty, whether somebody needs to be brought up or the game needs to be brought down. It's not that hard games shouldn't exist, because I would love to beat Dark Souls. Like, Dark Souls 3, I've played a bunch. I've probably got like 30-odd hours, and I still haven't beaten the third boss because it took me 30 hours to get to him in one run that I didn't die in so that I could actually continue going forward. It took me 10 to beat the first tutorial boss and I was elated when I did because that was a hell of a lot of hard work to beat him. Um, and with things like Dark Souls, I do think they are fair, but they are fairly punishing. You die, you go all the way back. There is no, you die, you start back outside the room so you can try again, uh, which is annoying because disabled people have money too and they want to buy video games they want to buy your video games so let us enjoy them <laughs> like we, it's a whole market that i think some places are ignoring because yes i understand it does take a lot of time it takes a lot of effort and it does take a lot of money to 
make sure you have all this extra work going into it and that things are thought about and developed and extra time. But I think there's also money willing to go back into it if you're looking at a pure business standpoint. Yeah, I just wanted to also add that um, one in five people in the whole world is disabled. That's 20, 20%. It's a lot yeah. of people that you're uh, excluding from your game. And they're mm -hmm. people that have money and would like to purchase your game. Um, so please let them. <laughs> we, are, we aren't going out on fancy holidays and stuff because we can't get onto the bloody plane. So we want to play yeah. a video game. Like, let us do exactly. that. Like... Well, I mean... For me, that's uh, Dark Souls is definitely the one that came to mind first uh, when uh, discussing this. But um, I've I find that any game that doesn't have the ability to choose how much I wish to struggle with it is just. That, that that's that in itself is just i mean it's, it's not even just removing disabled people it's, it's removing people who don't want to spend 50 hours grinding one thing or or if they they just want to enjoy the story or there's there's even even if you're going to you know not even considering the fact that you're eliminating a huge chunk of the population by not thinking in terms of accessibility you still got to think about you know your average person as well if that's your argument anyway um there is in no situation where i think that it should be that you should you should always think from an accessibility point of view because in the lowest form of compliment it's it's at least just going to look good for you like it, it like it's 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 a it's bad business to to think of things from a point of view where you're going to eliminate people from it that's just doesn't make any sense um you were mentioning that you, you uh there's a couple of games that you think are, are very good for uh um uh uh th these ways in that you can just uh games for accessibility one of the ones that I could think of is uh, Don't Starve. Now, Don't Starve, for uh, those who haven't really played it, um, you can change the content of each individual element that goes into the game. So the amount of one particular enemy, if you have a very, diff uh, very difficult time to... Uh, um, uh, uh, fighting them or you have difficulty finding food or in a game that's called don't starve it's you know um the the size of the maps the the different resources and to me that i mean that that for them was just a case of you know we want you to enjoy this game as a actual challenging game but we understand that certain things may not be you may not enjoy facing giant spider nests. You may not want to have your entire camp blown up by um, uh, fire dogs. But, you know, you can remove them. Or you can put them in two times. Whatever floats your boat. But <laughs> that can't have taken them, you know... Like, they've done that from a very early point on. And it's, it's, be it's barely even really mentioned. Mm. It's just a... 
it's there. Enjoy the game as as you want. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my favorite example is probably the um the most recent Tomb Raider games, the like the the recent trilogy that came out because they have different um different difficulty levels for different things, so puzzles, combat, and exploration. I think of the three. Um, so if you really love the like the puzzle aspect and exploring, but you absolutely suck at combat, you can whack that down to the lowest setting and you can still enjoy the game. Um, so I, I love games that have that kind of level of um, of customization that just let let people enjoy the game how they want to enjoy the game. They've you know everyone's paid the same amount of money for this game, so um, yeah, allowing people to get the same kind of enjoyment out of it is is really good. I think I'd want to shout out um, FFXIV, so Final Fantasy fourteen, the MMO, um, because I started playing that about a month ago, and I've played Elder Scrolls Online for years, but it was just to the point where I. I done so much of the content over and over again i was like i want to try something new um so the first thing i checked does it have controller support yes full pad support fantastic love that that means i can sit comfortably and play um and as i started to play i, I got bored of a class that i was starting and i started uh doing the rogue class and then got into the ninja class now the thing with the ninja class is it requires you to memorize different sort of um well like you get three different uh, like Oh, bloody hell, my brain's completely dead. You get three different things called mudra, so you combine them together, and that makes a certain attack. Now, I was having a lot of trouble remembering those, and I needed to use them to get through fights to progress the story. And I failed one of them, and I'm like, oh, God, do I, do I have to sit here and try and memorize this? Because with cognitive difficulty, that's going to be a right pain. I'm really liking it, but I'm have to get, gonna, am I going to have to give up? And it put me back to the menu, and it went, we see you're having trouble. Would you like to drop the difficulty and make it easier? And I was like, oh, I didn't realize this MMO was actually going to say, you're still going to have to do it, but would you like us to help a bit? And I was like, that's exactly what I needed because every other fight I got through without having to modify it, but it didn't change the entire game. It let me change that one encounter and make it easier for me to learn. So I now know how to play the ninja class and I've been taking it into PvP, which with cognitive issues, I never thought I'd been able to do that. And now I'm actually doing it and having a lot of fun. It's like, it held my hand when they needed it and they said good you got it off you go and i'm like that that is exactly what i needed out of that and it has a hell of a lot else when it goes to accessibility as well which i have never seen in an mmo because i mean new world launched without pad support or anything so i just can't even play that that's just not an option at all on the other like, hand there's also a fact of is there a point where there's too much because as you mentioned final fantasy online um because i also did pretty much exactly the same as you, like <laughs> about a month <laughs> or two ago. <laughs> was like, I should take a break from uh, SAO and started playing Final Fantasy Online. And I found trying to adapt to that game overwhelming. The entire, there's, there is so many different aspects on the screen it it's this it's busy yes. and it's and you can change every element but you can change every element <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I, I i kind of feel the same I, I feel that way about most mmos actually i find 
because I most of my barriers that I experienced with gaming, I probably haven't mentioned this, is are cognitive. So similar to um to Paige, probably. Um, in that, yeah, I have chronic pain, so I get brain fog, my reactions can be slower, um, I get motion sickness really, really easy. Um, but yeah, it also means that learning a new game can be really challenging. So I kind of mm. need tutorials and I need a bit of hand holding. And sometimes MMOs just have so many different systems and things that I need to remember and retain that it can be really, really challenging, really challenging. Um, I, I know that I'm not meant to be interviewing you both, um, but do you have a, an MMO that you you thought was really easy to learn? Honestly, I would go with, with Esso um, purely because the tutorial is catered towards actually walking you step-by-step step through each element it can be a bit it still has the overwhelm is the only issue i feel but it felt like they were genuinely trying to like make sure that you knew what you were doing when you were doing it <laughs> rather than rather than just a you're here now <laughs> cool so this is curious, but I'm actually going to say Final Fantasy, which is weird because the first time I loaded it up, I was baffled as fuck. I had no idea what was going on. So I stripped it back and I sort of sat there for a minute and went, okay, let's just think about this logically. Bar here, map there, thing there. I don't need to care about anything else. I know if I press A, I punch a thing. That's all I need to do. So I spent the first day pretty much just walking up to squirrels and punching them and then going, yeah, I got something. Don't care what it does. It goes in the bag. I'm going to ignore it. So for a couple of days, that's pretty much what I did. And I went and picked up quests and I just sort of, I immersed myself into it quite slowly because I was like, there's something here that I immediately love. And I know if I try and immerse myself too quickly and try and get into it too quickly, I'm gonna just get shell shock and get knocked completely out of it so it was something that i literally just took the time to read through the guides because it does have a lot of guides that pop up anytime you interact with something new it brings up a like a little box that has three or four small paragraphs of how to do things it has a help guide it has a website that it links you to like every time you log in so although there's a hell of a lot you can do I felt that by just deciding for myself what I wanted to do, which was at the time punch squirrels, it found a, a hell of a lot easier to go, all right, how do I punch a squirrel? It's told me how, brilliant, I'll go and do that. Then what, I want to turn this squirrel into a coat? Brilliant. The game's now going to tell me how to do that. So, you can do that? Yeah. I'm so, this this, is the, okay, this oh. emphasises yeah. for me the problem with yes. Final Fantasy Online. I am two months in, I still have no clue like the first thing i did was um uh, hotkey a uh, the ability to um uh move my camera because the fact that i had to do it <laughs> by holding thing the, the the mouse button continuously was not accessible to me <laughs> mm. i will say on the pad it makes a hell of a lot more sense because it is very so because it's just forward and turn with other stick done jump press one button excellent like lock onto enemy press one button it stays locked done don't need to do anything else don't need to you know you you can set things up as you want it to so mouse and keyboard probably i would be i would not be able to get on with the game cognitively at all on mouse and keyboard i've seen people set up and they have 
12 bars full of like 20 different things each and i'm like i i have no idea what is this picture of a clock what is that i don't know great well done you've got a clock you've killed an enemy with a clock all right fantastic what <laughs> so I, I I play it very simply. I'm pretty sure most people would be like, what the hell, you scrub? How are you doing trials like that? And it's like, well, I am, so... <laughs> so. <laughs> I think, um, I think Jack, you brought up a, a good point about the fact that you had to hold a, hold, a, hold, a, hold the mouse button down just mm. to do a thing that you had to do often. I think that's one of the kind of... Um, one of the big misconceptions I think that some people have is that hardware is going to sol solve everyone's issues when actually if your game forces you to hold a button down or hold multiple buttons down and doesn't allow you to toggle them um, on or off, then that's going to be a barrier for a lot of people. It doesn't, it might not matter what hardware they have. If the ability in the game is not there, um, then it's not going to solve, it's not going to solve all everybody's issues. Um, so feel like hardware is only part of the puzzle if you know if the mm. game is, itself is inaccessible is inaccessible doesn't really matter <laughs> um well it's like yeah, crouching like, isn't it like yeah mm. crouching um any any sort of i can't remember what game it was recently but there was a game that wanted me to hold down the left <laughs> bumper and the left trigger at the same time and it was a oh. very strange um feeling in my hand um and i couldn't do it I, I couldn't do it for yeah. like a more than a, a second because it was a it's just a motion that my hands just were not happy about. Um, I mean that well, was the feeling with uh, uh, Final Fantasy. It was because it was constant because it's it's your turning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's it's actually you trying to look around, and after the first. Uh, time that I played it, I, I had hand cramp. It was just like I, I was like I, I don't know whether or not I can play any games for the next few days because it was just mm. so like and and yeah okay I I'm one of those people that I I do play with a mouse and keyboard. This is this is what's comfortable for me. I'm not good at playing with a, a, a controller. I can't get my mind around it. I've never been able to do the whole multiple pressing of but it it just it just doesn't work with me i like the keyboard because i can see all of the buttons I, i'm not i'm not i'm not pro anything i just you know i can just click the buttons in front of me <laughs> but to have to hold down anything is just like i mean unless i've been doing those like <laughs> those finger exercises with the <laughs> at all I'm, i don't think anyone's gonna be able to do that for a long time without getting some kind of like rsi or some it's just it, it's again it's good returning back to that like even if you aren't thinking along the lines of how you can uh, cater to disability think about how you would cater to someone who's just your average person and preventing it. <laughs> and preventing it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, another point that I, I usually make when I'm making this kind of argument is that gamers aren't getting any younger. Um, I think the average age of a gamer is somewhere around 34 years old. Um, and we're getting older because people are not quitting playing games. I don't tend to quit playing games. Uh, I'm like, you know, approaching my mid-30s now. 
I, I intend to play games until I'm old and grey, and I'm pretty sure that many of my friends and um, fellow content creators also feel the same. So, yeah. um, unfortunately, as you get older, you're going to have things that are going to be more difficult. You you know, you may get arthritis in your hands, you may, um, your vision may get worse and all that kind of stuff. So even if you don't think it's going to benefit you now, the truth is, and I know it's a depressing truth, it's the depressing reality, is that you might need accessibility in the future. Um, so allowing people to do the work and to build those things in now and to have those discussions now means that you can continue getting to do one of your hobbies until you're old and it, and that's just that's lovely oh that's the thing i mean just again going off on a complete tangent <laughs> that i probably shouldn't but one of the things that i would love to see is um the ability to get my grandma into gaming because as a lot of you know my my granddad died recently she's lonely she doesn't know what she she doesn't know what to do with herself she's she she doesn't know how to occupy her time anymore while gaming would give her something that is new it's a new skill it's something interesting it's a story at those puzzles because she likes playing like solitaire and stuff on her on her ipad and stuff but the thing is is that she has got a quite severe arthritis in in her hands which you know it it does happen quite frequently to uh, um, uh, um a lot of people as they get older let alone situations where it, uh, it actually occurs uh, earlier on in life it's it's but it's something so basic that you could just try to adapt to you know stories to uh, or games to play for for those who haven't got the ability to make you know what 50 clicks per second and uh, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i think we're in a good position with accessibility i think like i don't think it's a thing anymore where people don't know what it is i feel like if you mention games accessibility to people these days they'll have some kind of idea what it is and what it means and why it matters but um the kind of the discussion now needs to be okay well then how do we make that happen and how do we get people on board and how do we get people to commit to it and put the money you know put the money where the mouth is because a lot of the times it can be difficult when it comes to game development. I mean, a lot of the games that we're seeing that are released now are games that have been in development for years. Games take a long, long time to be made. Um, so I feel like as we go forward into the future, we're going to you know, start to see some really cool stuff. Um, but it's still still being, you know, being worked on. But hopefully we can get to somewhere where everyone can play games and enjoy them. Um, no matter how old you are, no matter what your ability is. Um, yeah, I mean, taking it back to what you were saying earlier about sort of, um, I guess, like input accessibility, like both of you mentioning, like, so, Jack, you're having issues with, with controllers and just like games that require you to hold too many buttons. And that that is a software thing, because no matter what hardware you have, if you are required to do multiple actions at once and that's not considered or allowed to be toggled or sort of rebound, then you're going to cause more accessibility issues. There's a lot of games that have like MMO sort of uh well sort of god dang it brain is completely dead today um combo. 
but parts of their games are MMO light, as it were. So they won't allow you to do any kind of uh, accessibility in terms of setting up hotkeys and things like that, because it will be triggered as a bot attack and then you'll get banned, which means people that require accessibility can't even set up their own ways of being accessible because it's detected as a hack. Like Dead by Daylight. That's a bit like Dead by Daylight uh, and uh, like things like, so Path of Exile doesn't have this anywhere near as much. And I, as far as I'm aware, no one's been banned, but you often need to use a lot of flasks. And obviously if you uh, are a little bit more noobish at the game, like I am, you might need to just like smack a flask a fair bit, like a health flask and then a runaway getaway flask and some other things. But you'd have to do a keyboard to hit like five flasks and trying to do that quickly with your hands, especially bound up like they are now, is not easy when you're trying to also then use the key underneath to run away. Um, but there's no like option for you to bind all those to one key because it could be detected as a hack. And they have addressed that, which is why I'm saying it's not an issue or anything like that. But it's just that could be in another game, trying to activate that many buttons could be picked up. But when it comes to controllers as well, my real bugbear is when games that use controllers don't allow you to remap the buttons yourself. Um, because one game that I loved and I beat out of sheer will was Death Stranding. But to actually walk forward in a straight line with a heavy pack required you to hold the bumper, the trigger, and A, and move. So you're doing like, well, a, a pirate trying to like use that, but then you have to move both sticks to keep the legs straight. Um, and there were some points where I just dropped it, like, Jesus, ow, I cannot do that. So in the end, I had to change how I played and made sure I balanced everything so bloody carefully that I didn't have to hold three sets of buttons. Yeah, I absolutely noped out of that game. Mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a shame because for however confusing it was, and it was getting into Tenet levels of confusing, it was a beautiful game, well told, looks gorgeous, Mads Mikkelsen, but it was very, very difficult to play. Also, I feel like yeah. the, 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 the look you were going for was pirate playing pool. <laughs> yeah, I can't play pool. I end up just going Phew. so. Yeah, it's just it's just this and this while doing this. It's just two tiny pirates having a fight. Since you um, since you raised remapping, I just wanted to make a point that I think can be a bit confusing sometimes. Is that mm. some people argue, well, isn't there system level remapping? You can just remap at system level on the Nintendo Switch or the Xbox or the PlayStation. And while that may be correct, you can do some system-level remapping with some consoles. It won't change the button prompts in the game. So, for example, if you've got an action that's meant to be an A, for example, and then the game doesn't let you remap in the game itself and you go to the system, um, so you go to your PlayStation or your Switch and you remap that way, um, none of the button prompts are going to change in the game. So not only have you remapped the buttons, you then have to remember which button you've remapped where because mm -hmm. um, the game's still going to tell you to press A uh, <laughs> even if you've changed it um, so there are all kinds of um, issues that can, can come up with, with doing that kind of like um, system level remapping type hack um, that unfortunately uh, doesn't, doesn't always work out how, how you might intend to so um, we really do need the option to be there in the game I felt that with Dark Souls as well it's built for a controller. Obviously, me playing on a mouse and keyboard, um, mm. it never shows you the prompts for a mouse and keyboard. <sighs> and it's just like, yeah. how the fecking hell am I oh, supposed no. to know what to press? Like, 
if the tutorial is, it, you know, it's it's on PC, why is there not that element to give me that information? Because I'm sorry, but I don't want to spend 50 minutes trying to uh, uh, memorize all of the controls. <laughs> and there's no way with my brain fog that I'd be able to. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just I like a whole, whole other level level oh. of stuff. Now, even like... even for someone that doesn't have cognitive issues, like when you're playing a game, you've you've only got a certain amount of focus and a certain amount of attention that you can give to to that game. So you kind of want to take away any big friction points like that that don't need to be there. Like if that's not what you're testing in your game, for example, then take it away make it easier for people so that they can do the thing that you want them to do kind of thing i tell you what i do absolutely love and would love to see applied to other games on other platforms and that is uh nintendo's re like i can't, can't remember exactly what they call it but like replay so if you're playing one of their retro games and you bugger something up because they're hard as balls there's a button you can press to replay the frames and you can just go back to that exact point where you buggered it up because normally what happens with me with the lag is Press a button, press a button, press a button, didn't realise I meant to hit another one, dead. Great, need to start the entire thing again. But I already know what the problem was, and I could fix it if you gave me a chance. So Nintendo just allows you to rewind it to that point, you hit the button, and then you carry on. I think we're using Dark Souls a lot because it is an incredible game, and it does get a lot of people's panties in a twist because it is hard, and a lot of people wear that as a badge of honour, which, fair enough. Um... But if that was in Dark Souls, so I could go back to the point of a fight where I bugged it up, I probably could have beaten the entire game by now. Because it's not so hard that it's unbeatable, but it is punishing. It's fair, but it's punishing. I mean, I just got to the point where I just got Sai to do the bosses. Mm. But I hate that. I yeah, because that. that's like, there's some of the coolest parts of the game. Like, I want to fight Giant Ice Dog. Like, come on, that's amazing. I don't want to watch somebody else fight uh, giant ice dog. If yeah, I did watch saying, a stream. If, if I wanted to watch, if I if I wanted to watch someone else do it, then I I just watch a stream of it. Like, I, I I don't like the fact that pretty often when it comes to boss fights, I end up having to give it to to Sai because I I just haven't got the capability to to be as quick as I need to be or to remember all of the combinations of things that i need to do or the and that doesn't make me a bad gamer it just means that the game hasn't catered towards my level of need and and that's sad because i want to enjoy these games i want to live through these experiences i want to see what the goddamn hype is about Dark Souls. I want to, <laughs> but it just it just isn't something that I can really do with all of the issues that I have. It's and that's sad. I think yeah, that most people bad. would feel that. It is. I I I think I think one of the things that people forget is that games are. Not not just a big hobby for people, but like they're part of people's social life. Mm. 
And so when they can't be involved and can't be part of that conversation, they're just being excluded from something that they love. And it means that they can't have those conversations and get hyped up with their friends and stuff. So it's, it's people always kind of try and trivialize it and be like, oh, well, you know, it's just a game. But it's not just a game. <laughs> it's it's a lifestyle. Um, but you, know, you know what I mean, though? Like it's, it's not a it's, phase. It's, it's not a phase, mom. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so before we get into more ranting and chuntering here, um, let's, let's move forward with, with some more questions. Uh, so I feel like this leads us into like, how has accessibility in games changed and what hasn't and what needs to be done? I think we've, we've probably we've talked a little bit about um kind of you know the fact that everyone knows what it is now pretty much um and we're having those conversations and stuff that's starting to happen um but yeah definitely um the fact that games take a very long time to be made means that we're perhaps not seeing the results of some of the stuff um that's you know come about from from recent discussions um so things like baking accessibility in right at the beginning of development rather than getting to the end and going oh crap we've got to <laughs> fix all these problems and having to kind of put in these workarounds and tacking on options and stuff um so i think that is starting to happen but we're not going to be really be able to see it um for a few years now um mm. but yeah there's there's been some great talks actually um there was one um i think it was at the most recent um ga conf um, with uh, Ian Hamilton and Steve Saylor did a uh, sort of uh, 10 years in accessibility talk, um, which was really cool because I think a lot of people seem to think that accessibility is like a very new thing. Um, but actually, there's there's stuff that, that goes really, really far back. Um, some really, really interesting stuff. So I definitely recommend um, watching that. But um, one of the other things that I'm really excited about is things like the Xbox Adaptive Controller and the Logitech Gaming Kit being... You know the first kind of mass-produced kind of accessibility hardware um out there on the market because previously to that it was very expensive people were having to hack their own equipment and get really like expensive custom things made um so i'm, I'm hoping that we start to see more of that because it doesn't you know the xbox adaptive controller and the logitech gaming kit is great but it doesn't solve everyone's problems and um, so i'm hoping that we're going to start to see more of that kind of stuff um mass-produced so it is cheap essentially um and you know special effect and able gamers etc are absolutely great but if we can get people to have to rely less on those charities that that would also be great too um yeah especially when it comes to like i'd say any of us if we had an issue we'd probably find a way to try and solve it ourselves first it's just having an oh an off-the-shelf option brilliant let's try that first and then if you need more specialist help you go and look for it like just so if people are like i wonder if this would work they can actually go and give it a go without being like oh i'm gonna need to mortgage the house first like then that, i can play pokemon you know <laughs> no one said it was uh um uh cheap to be disabled because <laughs> the thing is is that <laughs> the amount of things that quite often you have to self-adapt because yeah it's, it's it's like it's like it's like clothing sizes so you got your small your medium and your large some shops maybe do extra large if you're lucky 
but you know it, it it just it tries to fit you all into these nice neat little boxes but it's not it's not possible it's not it, there er, so many people have different things that they require from it or different shapes sizes uh, um and the same can be said for for anything that you need to uh, uh, adapt to a disability there are so many different ways in which um one person can have a different uh, struggle uh, compared to another that they just go they just try and not deal with it but it would be good if there were those options that like yeah okay we accept that as you said 20% of the population <laughs> needs something different from these one size fits all methods and it's good to hear that there are actually some changes coming but it's why is it taking so long why is it well, i mean yeah i'm happy <laughs> but yeah it seems like something that should have been addressed a long time ago yeah, I just want to, um, before we move on, touch on um, the point that you made about being disabled is expensive, because uh, I actually have some statistics on this. Um, hey. According to Scope, uh, the charity Scope um, did a, um, I think it was called the Disability Price Tag um, Study um, or Survey. Uh, life costs you £583 more on average a month if you're disabled. That's a lot of money. That that's not like a little a little drop. Five hundred and eighty-three pounds more a month if you're disabled. So things like sixty pound game, that that can be a lot of money to people. Um it you know, it may not be a lot of money to you, but it is a lot of money to, to a lot of people. And getting refunds on games once you've started playing them and realized that they're not accessible to you. It's hard. <laughs> you very rarely can get a refund on something um, yeah. because they'll look at your stats and they'll go, oh, well, you've played it for two hours. And you're like, yeah, but I spent most of those two hours trying to like dick around in the settings and try and find a way that I could play it. But if you've, you know, it's kind of like, you're, well, you've opened it. You, you, can't, mm. you can't return it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to make that point that it is incredibly expensive um, on average to be disabled. There are so many costs involved with being disabled. Um, extra care that you need, extra bits and bobs, um, travel considerations, and th there's there's so much, so many extra costs. Um, I just just wanted to slam you with some stats there because it 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 blew my mind how much it was. You can even relate that to gaming, uh, like to tie it back just in a nice little package. But the extra costs for gaming. So imagine you buy that shiny new uh, PS5. And you get your controller with it, be you're disabled. You can't use that controller. You need a different one. So that's now an extra 60 or 100 quid on top of that that you've got to spend to get a bloody controller you can use that work with the machine. And that's nobody's fault because obviously the machine should come with a controller, but you need a special one that's not for everyone else and it's not mass produced. So you're going to have to try and find one. So it suddenly adds an extra cost there. And it becomes immediately more expensive, whereas it's a nice package for anyone that doesn't necessarily require it. But then when you look at it, like Stacey said, when it's one out of every five people, there's a lot of people that could probably do with it. And I hate to mention this, but I feel like we've got to. COVID is a mass disabling event. Those numbers are only going to go up. 
And unfortunately, there's going to be a hell of a lot of people slammed into a world that doesn't really give a shit. Uh, that they've never anticipated having to be part of before. And that's horrible because there's so many people in the Emmy and fibromyalgia communities who have rightly been angry over the last couple of years, who for years have been told by doctors, you're just, you're, your illness doesn't exist, you're making it up. It's in your brain, it's neurological, but we won't test you. To only see COVID come along and everyone go, oh my God, rich white people could be sick. We better sort this. And it's like, hold on, there's been people ill with this for a very long time. And we even have an idea of where it came from. Things like glandular fever may have caused an inciting event. But now we actually know there's a mass disabling event and we know what's causing it. Suddenly there's more money for it and suddenly more treatment. But the people with ME and fibro are still not getting brought up into those treatments. So it's immediately far more difficult. And there's a lot of people now trying to vie for resources that aren't there. Don't get me started on the fact that everyone's going back to the working in the office uh, stuff that's... Uh... <laughs> no, thank you. Do not want... Do no, not I'm good here, thank you. I, I, I always, you know, feel bad when I bring it up, but, you know, it is important to talk about the fact that COVID is a mass disabling event because I feel like a lot of people that have been healthy their whole lives seem to think that if they exercise and eat right and all that kind of stuff, that that they'll be fine. They'll be protected from any and all illness ever. Um, when actually anyone can become disabled at any point, you can get hit by a car when you're crossing the road to go get your groceries. Like, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it could happen to anyone. Um, and that's something that people really, I think, you know, need to keep in mind. Um, I do have another point, but it's, um, oh, we were talking about, uh, you know, having to, all the extra costs of um, buying controllers and all that kind of thing. Um, I also wanted to mention one of the things that Xbox were applauded for when they brought out the Series S and X, the um, the newest gen consoles, was that um, it was compatible with the old Xbox controllers. So if you had, you know, paid thousands of pounds to have a custom controller set up made for you, um, you can carry it over to your new Xbox. Unfortunately, PlayStation decided that they would have a brand new controller and then the old controllers would not be um acceptable with the ps5 um so that was a shitter um for people that had a custom setup and had, you know put a lot of money into it um so that's another thing that you know, you kind of don't think about unless it's really impacted you but um backwards compatibility with controllers is something that's really 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 crucial um for disabled gamers especially so i want to uh move on to um stigmas and misconceptions when it comes to accessibility so what are the biggest ones that you can think of or particularly want to highlight i feel like we've probably we've probably spoken about some of them i think my my big one is well i think i have two my first one is that hardware is only part of the puzzle because um, I think a lot of people have the misconception that um, having a Xbox adaptive controller is going to solve all your problems. Um, and then the second one is kind of more around accessibility options. So options are great. Um, they allow players to customize to their needs so people can play how they want to. Um, but it's also not really the full story because games can be accessible to begin with. Games can be designed to be accessible. So, you know, they might not even need any options. They might just be, 
you know, a very accessible game. So um, there's a game, I don't know if any of you played it, that came out recently called Unpacking. Um, and it's a very relaxed game. It's like pixel art. The music's really nice. And you kind of, the story is you're unpacking boxes as you move into like different apartments and different flats and stuff. Um, and there's no timer, there's no scores. So it's very relaxed. Um, and the game's like generally quite accessible for a, a lot of those reasons of just the game itself. Like the design is in itself is just accessible. Um, so I think a lot of people think that accessibility means adding a load of options in. Um, I think that's quite a common misconception um, at the moment, but actually um, options are great, um, especially if they, you know, solve, solve the problems that we need to solve, but it's not always the full picture um, and that games can be accessible to begin with. They might not necessarily need a whole bunch of options. Um, those are my two. I think one of the big ones for me is more, it's more an argument against accessibility that I see, which is, well, not every game has to be for everyone which annoys me to hell because you do not get to decide whether somebody gets to enjoy something or not and i get that yes working on working on adding any feature to a game that you didn't expect to need to add takes a hell of a lot of time so if you come up with a, like an amazing idea for a game to then go oh wait hold on strip it back a little bit let's let's think accessibly that's a lot of extra time and that's a lot of extra work which i get but when somebody then tries to defend somebody not going down any accessible path by saying, well, it doesn't have to be for you. It's like, but it is for you. So why can't it be for me? Just because you already have everything you need doesn't mean that everyone else does, nor does it mean that this thing was made only to be catered to somebody like you. Because if it was, it's just been created ex just with exclusion in mind. If the idea is just to make something that's only for a certain kind of person, then uh, well, I think we call that ableist. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people say that kind of thing when they have literally no idea what the game designer intended. It's like, well, <laughs> games aren't, you know, games aren't meant for everyone. They're not meant for you. Like, do you know the person that designed this game? Because they may disagree with you there. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I, I always, yeah, those, those arguments are really, really silly, I think. Yeah, it's just and meant to be a, well, you, you don't have to enjoy it. It's like, but I want to. <laughs> That's the main thing here. It's like, I want to. And I've given them money. Like, surely, surely that's the thing. And it's, again, and you will see it around a lot of games that people love to laud as being, uh, like, even things like Undertale, which have bullet hell sections that make you want to punch yourself in the face sometimes. Uh, it's... People love to say, well, I beat it, so it's a status, but it doesn't take anything away from you if somebody else also gets to beat it. Um, side, so uh, uh, highlighted a point that I was uh, going to bring up as well. It's it's like when people tell you how to play a game. So what one of the, um, it's, it's a jokey thing in, in my community, but it's it comes from the fact that it's it's something that I do for how I like to enjoy games. So I play MMOs in first person, which confuses a lot of people. <laughs> um, I've had many experiences where people have come in and be like, that's not how you play this game. That's not, you're not supposed to play. Like, it wouldn't be an option if I wasn't supposed to play it that way. And it, it infuriates people that I could possibly play this 
sacred MMO <laughs> in a different way to how they would play, and that there's a right and a wrong way of playing it. But, but Drac, how will you perv on your own bunny butt if you aren't playing in third person? I know, right? Right? Well, you see, from first person, I can better perv on everyone else's butts. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you, Tina Belcher. <sighs> but, yeah, it's, the, it's that concept that there is a right and a wrong way of, of playing a game. I mean, if, if the options are there, if you are capable of, of doing it, then it, enjoy the game how, how you want to enjoy that game. As long as you can enjoy that game in the way you want to enjoy that game but yeah, uh, yeah. it's very and that's much the thing that. it's not taking away anyone else's experience like no not i'm not hurting anyone just let me play how i want to play god damn it oh it's me being in first person hurting you <laughs> so i've got two points one based on what we've just said as long as my brain lets me remember it and one that i was thinking um so First one is, I really appreciate it when a game dev has a vision for how difficult a game's going to be, for how punishing it's going to be, because I like it when games are, games really want to pack your wallop, because it is, it's satisfying to beat something that feels unbeatable. But I also adore it when in a game menu, when you're starting a game, it says, hard mode, this is the intended thing, this is how the enemies are balanced. But if you just want to feel awesome, and punch it in the face, here's a mode for you. Like, Doom does it in its own quirky way, says this is baby mode, and it's like, yeah, yeah, this is part of a joke, we get it, it's fine. But they also have a, you know, this is the intended way to play, but if you need to play it in a different way, here's an option for you, we've already pre-built it, and it's like, that's beautiful, like, I've just beaten the Halo 1 and 2 for the first times ever. Like, I've been super enjoying them. But I do like that when you start, it's like, how do you want to play, by the way? It's like, oh, thank you for asking. I'm going to take the easy vote, thank you, so I can just go about and feel like a badass god. Like, that's what I want to do. This is how I envision this character. But when it comes to God of War, maybe I do want to be, you know, slapped about a little bit more so it feels like it's more impactful. Like, give me those options. That's great. I like how um, Witcher um, and Diablo mm. do it. So Witcher very much phrases it in a way of like you want to punish yourself or this is your story mode so mm. you can enjoy the story and not have to worry about everything else. With Diablo it, it's got all of those like after hard modes so you can play the story through in like these ways this is so easy and uh, normal and hard and and then you can unlock mm. the harder modes later down the line to challenge yourself if you so wish and that to me was like great i can i can do that and i like games that can allow you to change the difficulty during your playthrough because I don't know about you lot, but I quite often misjudge how um, good yeah. I will be in <laughs> playthrough. <laughs> and then go, oh, I made a mistake. Made a mistake. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, then it's too late. And like, well, don't want to restart the game, but I kind of want to, you know, actually beat this and get on with mm. the story. I also really like games that 
don't rely on like easy normal hard kind of phrasing so games that might say this is story mode or yeah. this is combat mode or um because easy normal and hard like what what even is normal um like those are all really relative terms and i think mm. that they um that it's more useful to name them something that tells you more about the experience so whether this is it's called story mode because the focus is going to be on the narrative and you're going to you know have not have as much pressure so you're going to be able to enjoy it that way um i, I much prefer those kind of phrasings i think we're, we're starting to see a lot more of it actually mm. uh, moving away from that kind of like easy normal hard type um type phrasings so was that game that um had uh options with um <gasps> it's faz Fa <laughs> sorry i was sorry wait. so faz have introduced nightmare mode and each each level of faz actually tells you what to expect from it and sorry you meant phasmophobia my brain was going was there a sequel to fez called faz like that took me a minute <laughs> no phasmophobia it, That's it, my God, yeah. they've just released a nightmare <laughs> mode and it and each each level now tells you what will work and what won't and what to expect and i thought that was a really nice touch for going this is what you will struggle with or this is what you will you know face or this is what will you know we won't be too uh, uh punishing on this but it it just uh, that description really filled me full of like like hope that they were taking into account like what people wanted to to have in their experience so that was the yeah, most sorry it's, it's just, i just couldn't remember what it was that i was trying to refer to initially so i yeah, we're starting to see a lot more games kind of have that kind of explanation as well so rather than just easy normal hard or whatever they actually have underneath it you know you'll you'll have more health or you'll take more damage or whatever because i don't know about you guys but when i am trying to start playing a game i'm trying to figure out what difficulty level to put it on if there's no explanation i have decision paralysis and i will just sit there because i've got, i haven't got any information to make this decision with um <laughs> tell me a little bit more please because <laughs> i would just sit there for ages being like well i don't know i, d I don't know what what does it mean <laughs> what does it mean oh no i've never um, played your game before okay. exactly <laughs> yeah oh that's that, that's something that really bugs me if a game just doesn't tell me what what the difficulty modes affect that i'm just like well i can't play now <laughs> i just don't know what to do i just remember what my other question was it took me a while but we got there um so stacy so this is actually i guess a, a question for you based on the experience you have so one of the things that i see brought up around accessibility a lot is multiplayer games games where you're going to be pitting players against players and uh the discussion that having accessibility options in multiplayer may make the the gaming unfair. So it may make the competition unfair if somebody has a perceived leg up. Yeah. Well, my opinion is that everyone can use the accessibility options. <laughs> so please go ahead. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I know, I, so I don't play that many multiplayer games. They don't interest me at all. Um, so I'm probably not the best person to talk about it, but you know, for example, if there's a game, um, that's got some like, you know, cool death accessibility features. So, um, if it has like a, a directional arrow that tells you what direction the shots are coming from or what, what direction the footsteps are coming from, um, some people would argue that that gives people, a you know, a leg up in the competition, but boy there ain't nothing stopping you from using it too <laughs> yeah. um so that, that's where i kind of sit on that kind of um discussion um but i know it's a really tricky topic it's a really tricky topic because you know how do we make sure that it that it is fair and it is balanced and that everyone has the same um i don't know what the word is Everyone has the same perceived fairness, as it were. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really tricky. I, I think, yeah, accessibility is something that's it's a lot easier to talk about when we're talking about single player games, but when we're mm. talking about multiplayer games, it can get a bit more complicated. But yeah, that my opinion is very much well. If you think it gives your opponent an advantage, then you can use it as well. Yeah, and <laughs> please do. Yeah. I think it comes back to the idea that. Difficulty is subjective, so people aren't getting a leg up over you. They're getting back to the same level you're already on. Exactly. And yeah. If you if you're going to try and use the idea that an abled person might be cheating for using an accessibility feature, all you're doing is just kicking disabled people more, so that your perceived greatness is greater. It's it's uh, it grinds my gears. It really does. Yeah, it's, it's that um that concept of equity, right? So if mm. An able-bodied person is starting here and a disabled person is starting down here then giving them an option that brings them back up a little um brings them brings them equal um but yeah i understand why people have their own kind of reservations about it <laughs> and i think it's definitely a discussion that's worth worth having um but yeah oh boy it can get complicated with multiplayer <laughs> games definitely so Let's move on to our our main question that you wanted to talk about. Um, uh, uh this podcast is um, uh, you mentioned to to me the game awards and the nominations for uh the accessibility um category. Um, what what are your opinions on those games? What what did it, have they based it on, and what do you feel those uh? those uh, games have done right or wrong or and what are they just so everyone knows yeah. so um it's actually a category that the game awards um added in last year um i think it's called the innovation and accessibility category um which is really awesome because it you know the game awards gets so much attention um that it's just nice to have accessibility being featured at such a big mainstream event um so that's really awesome so this year the nominations are Far Cry 6, uh, Forza Horizon 5, sorry, Forza Horizon 5, my husband will tell me off for not pronouncing it right, um, the Marvel <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy game, uh, Ratchet and Clank, um, Rift Apart, and um, a game called The, the Veil, Shadow of the Crown. Um, so f- four out of five of those are big AAA games. Um, the final one that I mentioned might not be one that you've heard of before, but um i haven't actually played it it's been on my on my to playlist for ages but um it's called the veil and it's um it's an audio only experience so it's designed to be fully accessible to gamers without sight completely um so it's pretty much a black screen 
um, and you're meant to play with headphones on. It has 3D audio. So it's got, you know, spatial audio to help you navigate. Um, there are like audio cues for, it has combat. Um, so there are different, like different audio cues for different types of attack that your enemy's making and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's one that I'm, I'm really like, I've heard people talk about, um, and they did a talk at, um, the games accessibility conference as well, the developers of it. Um, and it was so interesting, so, so interesting. And I think it's really cool to see, um, an indie game sort of get mentioned on that list and not just an indie game, but one that's, you know, made to be accessible to gamers without sight. Um, I think that's just really cool and it will, you know, bring some attention to that kind of topic um, and encourage more, you know, developers to think about those kind of things. Um, I think that's really cool. The fact that we've got a, you know, really, really interesting um, indie game on the list. Um, haven't played all of them. Um, I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. It was a complete surprise for me because I felt like we hadn't got any... We didn't really get much in the way of accessibility information before the game came out. I didn't know much about the game before it came out, but when I played it, I was like, hot damn, this is so much fun. And it had like so much customization. So we were talking, you know, earlier about like difficulty customization. So it had like, you can change all the different things. So you can change um, your shield regen. You can change how much damage you deal, how much damage you take, all that kind of stuff. Um, it also had uh, what something I really liked called focus mix. Um, and what that does is it just filters out any non-essential game sounds. So, um, you know, things like combat, you know, audio and things like that that you need to hear, um, you can hear a lot clearer and it kind of filters out all the rest of the stuff. Um, and so I, I don't have any, any issues, um, hearing, but I have issues processing. So, um, yeah. I, that really helps me because I can get quite overwhelmed and I find it difficult to like pick out the right sounds that I need. Um, I always watch things and play things with subtitles on because if I'm seeing and hearing something, I'm more likely to process it. Um, so yeah, that had some really cool stuff in as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did did any of you play um, any of the any of the featured games? Any of the five? Five? Five. Yeah. I've not played a single one of those games. I've not yet either, but I've just <laughs> looked up the Veil shadow of the crown and it actually features a disabled protagonist as well so the lead character is blinded at birth so you're playing from their perspective like that's fantastic and it's like a medieval game with with combat and i will say it's a, a disabled femme protagonist as well which is also something you don't tend to see as much which is just that is lovely to see that is really really cool to see and it's about five hours long, fully playable with voice control. Like, damn, that's a very clever idea for a game. I it mean, is. It yeah, is. that sounds like... Wait, I mean, that's the kind of uh, uh, shit that I want to be hearing. Like, I want yeah. to be hearing of games like yeah. that because that is so fucking cool. <laughs> Oh, it's actually um i i don't want to i'm not i'm not here to shill the game but it's it's um yes it's a tenor on steam at the moment um so i might actually pick it up and just yeah. um yeah because it it's it, it sounds it sounds amazing and i'm i've been really enjoying those conversations that i've been hearing people having about it um yeah i don't so i think i think my pick would be guardians of the galaxy mostly because it was such a surprise to me like it there were just things in it that were really great i think um 
the Square Enix accessibility team have been doing some great stuff. Um, mm. Another one that I would have liked to have seen in that category was uh, the most recent Life is Strange game, Life is Strange True Colors, because mm. it did some really cool stuff that I hadn't seen before, and that's what gets me excited, is when <laughs> I, I see an option or something that I go, oh, oh boy, I haven't seen that before. Um, so Life is Strange True Colors had a... Um, like a, you could turn on a the warning system, so you could turn on a warning for bright lights, nice, um, and also for loud noises as well. Um, and that was that was something that I'd not seen before. So um, before um, a section in the game that would have bright lights or loud sounds, it would just you'd get a pop up and it would say, "Hey, this is about to happen. Uh, do you want to continue or do you want to go into the options and like you know turn the brightness down, turn the volume down?" Um, I hadn't seen that before, um, and I thought that was really really cool. So yeah, they're doing some really interesting stuff, and that's the stuff that that gets me really excited because it's like developers having these interesting ideas and like coming up with solutions for things um yeah i i loved life is strange true colors as well mm. i think that's a really interesting point as well because when we speak about accessibility we often talking about sort of i guess disability or like ability barriers but there are other things that make things accessible like experience bar well experience barriers sounds like a really dumb way to say this but things like content warnings and trigger warnings so whether that is for something like flashing lights or massively loud noises that are part of the game but it would help if you knew they were coming. So I've streamed Alien Isolation like fully two or three times and I adore the game. But there is a point in it where a, suddenly a, a siren will start and it blares lights. And I'm just like, whoa, my God, like that, that gave me a headache instantly. Like I need to quickly put a kibosh on that because somebody who's epileptic, I have no idea if this is going to cause them problems. I'm sure it wouldn't or it wouldn't have been put in that sequence into a game. But it's still something that I went, that could be dangerous. So I came up with a, a content warning screen for my own stream just because I was like, oh, this will be helpful to have. But if there was something that, you know, I could toggle on content warnings and up in the top left and every now and then it will come up saying, bright lights in 30 seconds when you're getting into a story segment, it'll be like, brilliant. Now I know whether I can warn somebody or whether I need to protect against it. But there are often games where you will... Uh, have certain things take place we'll put it very very lightly to avoid having to do a content warning right now and yes some people would say oh but it's spoilers to know x or y is going to happen it's like yes but also you could cause a major panic attack or a traumatic event to happen like so having that toggleable on or off saying warning violent attack just saying you know or even just this next half an hour of gameplay will include a, a bomb going off or something which could be triggering to a veteran that I think that would be brilliant to give more accessibility as well, because there are a lot of games that people want to play, even if they know it might contain something that could cause them panic, but just to know it's coming could help. I mean, yeah, the, I do that. I for we're seeing more of that too. More TV sort of series. like psychological stuff. Yeah. Like why not do it for the games? But, um, I was going to say, um, the, I think that the issue there is our um, change to digital um, uh, games and selling because back in today they <laughs> they used to have on the back of the game packs the the type of content to expect in the game so there's like there was always these little symbols that was like oh you know this. Is contains violence, drug use, uh, uh, that kind of thing. So they, they did kind of address that 
but now that we don't really like very few people go into shops and buy physical copies of games anymore there's not really that content warning anymore there is if you look for it i will say that having been in the games industry that is a legal requirement to have that information somewhere available alongside an age rating so on steam if you scroll down on the right hand bar there are those little pictures still or it will at least say contains you know violence drug use sexual references that kind of thing um but I, I'm particularly talking about having that in the game mm. as just something that turns on or off. Because, I mean, if you have flag states for all kinds of events, you could have one for a content warning. Especially because I tried to stream The Last of Us uh, and I knew there was going to be a bit coming up. That There's a particular scene in The Last of Us, the first game, that if you're not expecting it, knocks you completely for six. Um, which is a, an unwanted advance, we'll put it that way. Um, might have been nice to know that one was coming. Just, uh, just, just to be like, oh crap, you know, maybe I just want to close my eyes for a moment or just skip this cutscene, perhaps. But that was a cutscene. I didn't need to interact with it. It could have told me, by the way, you've got content warnings triggered. Like, might want to sit with this one out. Because yeah. like, I go into it knowing there's violence and drug use and sexual references. I'm for those, but something that's a <laughs> bit traumatic, like, let Give me a moment's warning. Like <laughs> drug references, yes, please. Fantastic, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it's something that you could um, you know, just put at the beginning of your game to say, hey, this game contains things that may be triggering for some people. Do you want to pop some content warnings on? Yes or no? Mm. And so if you don't want those spoilers, if you don't have any phobias or any triggers or anything like that, you don't have to turn them on. You don't have to, you know, get involved. Um and it yeah, we're, we're starting to see those conversations happen now. Um mm. I think there are a couple of examples that come to mind. One is uh, in a game called Grounded. Um, they've got an arachnophobia mode where mm -hmm. um, you are bug-sized, essentially. So um, there are spiders that feel human-sized. Um, and what they did is they uh, added a toggle where you can just take all their limbs away and just make them like little happy floating um, circles. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, like that. And then, the complete um, removal is hilarious. Yeah, but... it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, there's also a game called uh, Boyfriend Dungeon um, yes. that I played recently that I adored. It's essentially a dungeon crawler, but it's also a dating game where you date your swords. Um, mm -hmm. It's very hard to explain, but it's great. And they have um, a bit at the beginning where it says, um, throughout the game, you're going to get texts um, from someone called Mum. Is that okay? Kind of thing. Um, if you're someone that maybe has a bad relationship with your mum or you've lost your mum, that would be quite triggering for you to get these texts from your mother. Um, so just adding that at the beginning of the game, being like, is this okay? Yes or no? Opt in mm. or out? Um, or, or yeah, being able to opt in or out of having content warnings when something's coming up or being able to skip cutscenes when that's, that's happening would be, would be really good. I think, yeah, this kind of the psychological um, aspect is something that we are starting to see more of. And I think it's really exciting. Mm. I mean, and there is actually, um, uh, I can't remember the actual name of the game, but a recent game that came out um, that is uh, more quick time events and such. Don't even get me started on quick time events. But um, the actual game was, a, a, a point in the game was based around your personal fears and phobias and you ha it asked you questions 
and um uh like interpretations of the characters and stuff and that i mean as a concept it's a it's a great concept it's it's, it's interesting it gets you involved but that in itself just that aspect of like interacting with the player in a way that's asking things like what are you most afraid of what are you is is an interesting thought process of like how you could actually make it a feature of the game that doesn't affect anyone else's experience it's just it, it is a feature it's, it's 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 part of the story but it also allows you to adapt things to to remove those triggers or make sure that the game is still playable if you've got a phobia or mm. uh, yeah do you remember like no one wants to have a bad time playing a game like no one wants to have their whole day wiped out or ruined mm. you know um i think I think it's something that's really, really nice to see. Mm. So I don't think Drac was talking about Until Dawn, but uh, Until Dawn does have a section where you choose, like, sort of choose between certain phobias and choose how you feel about certain characters, and that will sort of influence the game. Obviously, it's a horror game, so the thing you say you're most afraid of, the thing it's the thing it turns up. So if you know that, you just pick the other thing, and it becomes far more yeah. palatable. But you know what you're getting into with that one. But I will say massive bloody props to Supermassive Games for making a QTE game that doesn't punish you for sucking at QTEs. Um, it was Until like, Dawn. That's the one was, that I was hey, thinking of. Yes, um, my, my, my nerdy heart literally just has... Pure, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, okay, I know that yeah. probably not the way it's intended, but that aspect was really yeah. good. Like, yeah. to be able to do that and use that as a tool so yeah the amount of streamers i've gone to who love horror like me and i said oh did you play any of any of the dark pictures anthology they're like i can't play it with qtes and i've gone well did you know they literally have no fail mode on it or they have does not change part way through or they have does not get quicker or they have alerts you a qte is coming up like I've been able to play through all their games. And of course, I've made the dumb mistake because sometimes my brain just goes, nah, not working with you today, bugger off. But I could just turn on no fail mode and it would give me the time to go through it. And like, it alerts me that it goes, and then brings up a thing on screen and then starts the QTE. It doesn't do the dead by daylight thing where it's like, QTE, oh, you failed, fuck you. It's like, oh, okay, thank you. I, can't, I wanted to not die to Michael Myers today, but that's not going to happen by the look of it. Like, I absolutely love that there's this series of intense horror games where you choose the decisions, but it also makes sure that you can't completely bugger it up because your hands don't work right. Yeah, and I think those games as well, those games are, are mostly narrative games. They shouldn't mm. be punishing for, for those kind of things. I think they're also a really interesting series because I, I haven't actually played the most recent one, but I remember looking at the accessibility options and there have been things that they have added in um you know that weren't there at the beginning that are now there so they've kind of improved on the accessibility as mm. those games have gone on as the trilogy's gone on which is really really cool too i love to see it mm. love to see it love to see the improvements always yeah i mean I, I i like the uh idea that there is the option to not have the quick time events because those stress me the yeah. fuck out yeah i it, it means that all these narrative stories that i would genuinely love I can't play because mm. 
it's quick time events and uh, it's like you know everyone always uh, uh speaks uh, um highly of telltale games and stuff and it's like it's all quick time events i'm not going to be playing it <laughs> so we've got a couple of uh audience questions uh uh from um uh previously submitted uh Anyone in chat, if uh, you want to submit any quick questions, now is the time to do so. Um, so, um, I think we've covered the, the uh, best quality of life accessibility improvement you've experienced. Um, unless there's one that particularly pops to mind that, that you're like, yes, Gosh. this one was the best thing that I've ever uh, experienced. Um, one that I really like that we've seen quite a lot of recently is a uh, high contrast mode. So mm. it's something that we've seen in the most recent, recent Ratchet and Clank game. Um, it's also in the Guardians of the Galaxy game too. And while it's not meant for me, I found it really useful. So a high contrast mode, um, usually it will kind of um, put a shader on the important things and it can like, um, you might have like a gray background and then the hero is, um, blue and your enemies are green and the things you can interact with in the world like ammo crates are blue or, or whatever um, and I actually found that in games where there was a lot going on having the high contrast mode turned on helped me like pick out things in the environment and help me figure out that's you know that's an enemy or that's a person in the background <laughs> that I shouldn't be shooting at um, I found that was really really um, cool and that's one we've started to see a lot more of and I think it's been quite a pleasant surprise for me it's helped me a lot cognitively especially with games like ratchet and clank that are very like a very they're nice to look at visually but they're very noisy visually mm. um so a, a lot of the times i just didn't know where i was looking um that's been one of my favorite ones that i've seen in the past kind of year or so come out that i've been like oh this wasn't meant for me but i love it Paige, uh, do you have any that you'd like to add before we move on probably nothing extra more just again to sing the praises of nintendo's rewind feature and how i would love to see that in others in other games because it is it is so frustrating to be capable of of playing a, a game in the way like the developers intended but getting caught out by your own brain and then the game going well you screwed it up back you go it's like no it oh okay yes but i could have fixed that if you'd have given me a second chance like god damn it so I love that there is a system in place that allows you to do that just done quickly. And I've seen uh, Let's Players, so the Game Grumps used it quite a lot with a few of their games. And obviously when you're doing a show and you only got like a half hour episode, you don't want to spend that half an hour getting to the end point, fucking it up and then doing another half an hour episode doing the same thing. So just being able to go like beep, 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 done. Okay, we've not wasted an entire half an hour. Like we can continue doing our jobs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lovely thing to see. Also, my God, there's a puppy. Ah, oh, he's, he's woken up from his nap and he's he's been grumbling at me. <gasps> oh, he's a pup. Hi. Hello, pup. Dog. Oh, and all your cats have left you, drag. Uh, yeah, it's it's tea time. Uh, ah. so they've all left. Uh, <laughs> this is the excuse me, mother. Where is dad? Why has he not come home from work yet? <laughs> Where is my father? When will he come home from war? <laughs> um, right. 
Um, I thought this one was a really good one. Um, uh, what is the most useful thing those who aren't part of a marginalized group can do to support the community? So my biggest thing is to listen and amplify as always with any kind of marginalized group. Um, also just to follow a wide variety of gamers with disabilities because we're all very different and have very different needs um yeah no one person is like the expert or the king of all things accessibility um so yeah follow follow a wide variety of people and listen to them and amplify their voices and try not to speak over them when they're telling you about you know how they experience video games um and then also just as a general thing to do to add alt text to your images um, describe your images, add captions to your video content um, and try to advocate for those things um, in your personal life, at work. Um, just start, you know, advocating for accessibility where, wherever you can, wherever you have control over or influence in, um, because that will help people feel more included. It will make them feel like you care um, and it will go a long way to making those things, you know, norm. And that, that's what I hope to see more of. I want to see more alt text. I want to see more captions. And I want to see it just being added in without it being asked for. Don't make disabled people ask for things all the time. Just just make it happen. And uh, if anyone out there uh, um, uh, is uh, capable of making a, ca a captioner for Twitch that captures everyone's voices as opposed to just one, that'd be great too. Because um, yep. uh, I've yep. actually had to have the captions off during the podcasts every goddamn time because all it's doing is capturing my voice i mean you know it's wonderful and all but I'd, I'd love to see that from twitch directly right. yeah we've been asking for that for years god damn it just yeah i want the ability to capture everyone's voices yeah i run two different captioners when i do streams one to capture me and one to capture discord but it just turns into a jumble but Unless I'm going to pay for a massive Zoom account and then try and get everyone onto another platform, which, no thank you. I, it's hard enough trying to be on like three different platforms at the same time without running a fourth and then trying to capture that. Like, there's there's no way. Plus, that's an extra cost on top just to provide a basic accessibility thing. Like, I, I would love to see Discord have that functionality as well, When especially when things like Zoom have it as well. Like, have get the gamers platform having that stuff in it like I, I wouldn't want it to be part of nitro but if the work needed to do it is so vast that it needs extra funds then sure initially make it a part of nitro like i would i would pay a fiver a month to have the ability to fully caption my big voice calls you know for for broadcasting streams yeah. and things like that. Right. that that would be great like that would actually be the one thing that would make me uh, um uh, pay for nitro as opposed to all of the other crap. crap. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just to add to the question as well, um, like from Stacey's answer was brilliant. I think um, advocate when no one else is listening is probably a thing. And it's something I try and bear in mind as well. Like, it feels great to be told you've done a great job, but you don't always need to be looking for kudos. And that's not saying everyone is, but it is very tempting to see somebody being dunked on and for you to jump in and add your voice because you've said the right thing then. But sometimes if you see somebody saying, well, like today's discourse of I use the gamer word, like call out those people. Like you don't, you don't, you don't need to get an accolade. Being a good person, it sounds stupid. Being a good person should be its own reward, and you should know that you've potentially made that discussion a lot easier by advocating 
as well. So if you have a chance to advocate for accessibility or you see somebody going, oh, but that game doesn't need to be for everyone. Be like, well, okay, yeah, but it's it's for you, so it can be for everyone. Don't make the people that need the help argue for it on their own. And that goes for every single marginalization and intersectionality. And like as a as a fucking milk white person, it's something I've had to learn. It's like you don't need to speak over somebody, but sometimes you may need to speak for them so they don't have to argue the same bloody argument again. It's yeah, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting yeah. having to advocate for yourself time and time again. So it is helpful if you can add your voice to those things um, yeah. where it's um, where it's reasonable. Then yeah, for sure. Yeah, uplift where you can, be a shield where you can't. Like, or actually, other way around. It's rather if no one else is speaking because no one's got the spoons to do, then yeah, go ahead, speak on it. Like, add your voice and and lift it up. And then when somebody else is speaking and you don't need to say something, just lift them instead. Like. Yeah, I mean, if you have nothing to uh, to say about it, as in, like, you don't don't know the words or the right thing to say, there are plenty of people who do, and who mm. do frequently. Uh, <laughs> send them that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so, last question. Um, what are some games you think help to share the perspective, uh, a snapshot of a particular disability? I really can't think of that many. I feel like in, in video games, I feel like we're slightly behind other media. Um, I feel like we're, we're starting to see, you know, some like great TV shows or some stuff on Netflix um, that have people with disabilities in and not, are not being portrayed badly. I feel like in video games, we're still getting a lot of the whole like, the old tropes that we've kind of grown out of so people with disabilities being depicted as the villains you know people in horror games with facial scarring or a limb difference um being the bad guys or being crazy um like those kind of depictions i think are still really common um we're starting to see a lot more representation in terms of like character customization so games like uh forza horizon 5 um you can now have prosthetic limbs um, cool. you can have a wheelchair for your Xbox avatar. So they're like, there are things that are happening, but I think like presentation wise, I've had this discussion with so many people and it's really difficult to come up with ones for, um, for disabilities in general. Um, mm. I don't know if, if you, you folk have any, um, any ones that you like. Um, I mean, the one that immediately comes to mind is, um, the character in, uh, Elder Scrolls Online, um, that they put a, a, um, a, a person in a wheelchair um, and then also um, D&D um, releasing uh, stats for battle wheelchairs which were just the best thing ever <laughs> just that entire concept was just amazing yeah. I loved it oh, yeah. The character's name is Amalian. There we go. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot more for mental health, I think, even though there's still not that many. The, the one that I really wish I, uh, I would have loved to see um, is, and I may be wrong on this, but I heard tell that Geralt of Rivia is actually meant to be disabled. Yeah, he's um, got PTSD the, and um, he's uh, a got a leg injury. 
Yeah, yeah. I've, re- I've read all of the books and he definitely gets, uh, you, you get to know more of that side of him in the books for sure. Mm-hmm. So I like, and I, I do understand in a character where you're, you're sorry, in a game where you're playing an absolute monster hunter, badass, having to stop and take his painkillers might be a little too immersive uh, and a little too micromanagey. But... I mean, he does that every time he takes a uh, uh, swallow. Mm, but I'm, uh... I mean... An occasion, an occasional line that would have referenced it, even just like winds howling, legs seizing up, stupid. But it's just like just a little hint of, oh yeah, cold weather means that his legs gonna hurt more. Maybe it doesn't even need to be represented in how his character sort of reacts to situations because that would be more difficult. Oh, but no, just I think little... that'd be amazing if uh, the weather uh, uh, hit any, and suddenly you had like a, de- a detriment to your immovability and such, or your yeah, speed. That would be hilarious. It would be <laughs> interesting. Real people everywhere. Then we'd well, turn it off because we're just bored of it being realistic. <laughs> but yeah. but it, it would be, I would love to see just that, even just the hints, just the, the understanding that that's something that character went through. Um, because, I mean, obviously in the first few games, Geralt's a bit of a shit, but I do really appreciate Geralt's character. And I think, like, depending how you choose to play him, I think he's a fantastic character and, like, a very good person. And I would have loved to see just a few references to the struggles he's living with as, like, a hundred-year-old mutant with a severe leg like disability. Even if, as his health got lower, he had a more physical pronounced limp that slowed him down because that leg injury is now playing up more because he's hurt. Like, that would have been fantastic. So, yeah, there's none that I can really think of, but there's definitely room, I think, for it. And, well, apart from um, the veil that we've just learned is a blind protagonist and you're presented with her worldview. Like, that's fantastic. That's cool. Yeah, hopefully we'll start to see some, um, some improvements. I mean, maybe we'll get a new Witcher game someday. Yeah, I, I hope <laughs> that that would be that would be fantastic. Barrel, please, please, sir. Yeah, I've got I've got to agree there. I uh, just uh, give, give just give me more Witcher. Just, just yeah, load Inject it, on. it directly oh. into my veins. Yeah, yeah, please. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just finished the third game for the very first time. Actually, really? um, yeah. Wow. So, and I need to go back. Well, I had a lot of issues with it initially because of things yeah. like trying to remember every bloody poison or thing that goes with enemies and which bombs go so in the end i just added a shit ton of mods to do all that for me and suddenly i loved the game like a hundred times more and completed it so i need to go and do the dlcs now but it was getting rid of full damage was my main thing are amazing yeah i actually nearly nearly didn't play the witcher because the (laughs) subtitles were so tiny and it's <laughs> yeah. a relatively old game now. There was there wasn't any option to resize the subtitles, and I was sitting there on my TV like, I just I'm trying really hard. There is um, one reason I might not replay the main game again, which is just stop doing that fucking songs over and over and over and over again. My God, I've had enough of I'm done. I don't know. I I would give anything to relive the first time I opened up that game. Um, mm. To that soundtrack, when the first time, yes, not the four hundredth. <laughs> I well, I I still love it. It it. I mean, I was, I got it like on release and was just sat there like crying because it was just the most emotive feeling 
Um, mm. So I, I'd never, I'd never get bored of that sound. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, right. So with that, um, we've we've covered all of our questions. With, is there anything uh, you would like to add uh, before we uh, say our goodbyes? Me? No, I don't think so. We had some really great discussions. Thank you so much for having me. That was really, really wonderful to to spend an evening with you all and talk about accessibility. Um, yeah, if you if you want to talk more about accessibility, you want to get involved in the conversation. Um, I I angry tweet a lot. Um, <laughs> Stacey of Gotham um, and hopefully we'll retweet a lot of interesting things um, if you want to learn more about accessibility um, but yeah my dog clearly wants to leave now <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this mother, mother I'm out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thank you all so much it was wonderful um, Paige would you like to add anything before we go uh, just that as I said the next to our ice stream is this Saturday coming from midday and uh, it's we're doing a charity fundraiser as part of that uh, and as part of the Cosmic Hearts stream team. So we will be raising uh, for the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. Um, we were originally raising for uh, another charitable endeavour, I'll just put it that way, but they there were some things in it that we did not find satisfactory or appropriate. So we, we kind of pivoted mid-month to support a cause that's very close to a lot of our hearts and a lot of our members' hearts. So we're going to be trying to raise $2,000 for them. So if you want to come along and you have a couple of quid you can drop to uh, obviously help with self-advocacy and uh, there'll be a lot of videos and things like that on the actual day, then we would love to see you. And as I say, we're going to be talking about marginalised genders and hopefully not my brain trying to say the word blokes instead of friends, which is, I, I think I just went pure Essex for a minute. Um, <laughs> But yes, that'll be this Saturday over on twitch.tv slash Um Well, thank you, Stacey, so much for coming and talking to us. Um, I, I mean, I personally uh, always find it a delight and very educational, but I'm sure chat also uh, uh, definitely uh, learned a, a thing or two today. Um, and uh yes if anyone in chat uh would like to uh follow either arthurus or stacy the links are in the chat but yes we will we will say goodbye now um i hope you all have a good rest of your evening or day i hope you have a good rest of your week um if you'd like to uh keep in contact outside of stream do follow on the social medias the twitters the instagrams and join the discords of of our various lovelies here um uh uh where all the shenanigans happen but yes have a good one i hope you all oh, have a great rest of your week and i'll see you all soon say bye all bye, -bye. <laughs>